Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series. I am Amy Zellmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I will be chatting with Robert Sherman from Iron Neck all about the importance of neck strength. This episode is brought to you by Minnesota Functional Neurology a Minneapolis-based clinic staffed by a caring and progressive team of functional neurologists who are experienced in treating post-concussion syndrome, chronic pain, dizziness, whiplash, and migraines. They are the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain health in the Minnesota area. They've greatly helped me and many others in the Twin Cities. You can find them online at mnfunctionalneurology.com. Hello, everyone. I am Amy Zalmer, and you are listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury one podcast at a time. Those of you who may not be familiar with who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I am a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, and I volunteer on the Brain Injury Association of America's Advisory Council, and I recently released my first book, Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal. You can learn more about me and the podcast at facesoftbi.com, and you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And while you're at my website, be sure to check out the Brain Health Academy that I have co-created with Sue Wilson of CTE Hope, and also check out TBI TV that just launched two weeks ago. Today, my guest is Robert Sherman, and he is the co-owner of Iron Neck, a company that makes a neck training device used by high school, college, and pro teams of almost every sport to reduce concussion risk associated with whiplash. While an increased amount of attention is being paid to neck strength or component to concussion management, it pales in comparison to that paid to helmets and post-concussion protocols. Robert is an advocate for preventative concussion management and travels the country educating professionals on the importance of neck training and the latest research on concussions. Through his interactions with leading strength and conditioning coaches, athletic trainers, physical therapists, neurologists, athletes, and concussion survivors, Robert has gained a comprehensive perspective on the issues that all individuals face from from concussions to chronic neck pain. So, Robert, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Thanks for spending your morning with me. Glad to be here, Amy. Appreciate it. And um, those of you listening, I met Robert this summer um, at the Concussion Health Summit in Columbus, Ohio, and I was just really intrigued by um, what he is doing to help in the concussion um, prevention and recovery process with neck strength. So I appreciate all that you are doing to try and help us. <laughs> um, so, no, Robert, I, give us a little bit of background about Oh, I'm sorry. Give us a little bit of background about the Iron Neck and and kind of how you came to get into this um, this world of brain injury. Yeah, well, um, you know, I I played pretty much every sport growing up uh, in Chicago. I played basketball, soccer, flag football. Uh, I ended up obsessed with the least concussed sport possible in golf. Um, and I ended up playing college golf uh, up in Rochester, <laughs> New York, 
so fairly similar climate uh, to you up in Minneapolis. Um, I ended up working a few years in Washington, D.C. Uh, before moving to Austin, Texas to get my MBA. Uh, and that's actually where I met my business partners, Matt and Sean. And uh, after uh, school, I did a few years of consulting back in D.C. Uh, until Matt, Sean, and I got connected with Mike Jolly, who had invented the Iron Neck uh, a few years earlier and was looking to grow the team and relaunch the company. So we relaunched this, uh, this time last year. And, yeah, I mean, it's been a really exciting journey getting to take this amazing invention which was developed out of Mike's personal experience and some advanced MacGyver-like ingenuity in a garage <laughs> and figuring out how to help as many people as possible. And, um, you know, like you said, we've, we've gotten to engage with the leading coaches, athletic directors, athletic trainers, strength and conditioning coaches, uh, physical therapists, neurosurgeons, researchers, and, and survivors. And, you know, that's really what helps us understand ultimately how to better solve these problems. And so, Robert, what have you guys found with neck strength and concussion? Yeah, so, you know, this, this isn't really a new development that, that the neck uh, or having a strong neck can help uh, with concussions, but uh, you know, there's been research that's really been building around this for the last two decades, but it wasn't until uh, the, the most popular study was published in 2014 in the Journal of Primary Prevention uh, that showed that for every one pound increase in neck strength, odds of concussion decreased by 5%. And, you know, this was a, a very large study. Some of the leading uh, neurologists, Dr. Robert Cantu was involved in the study, uh, and there's a large uh, data bank that uh, Don Comstock uh, manages out in Colorado, and this study was with seven, about 7,000 high school boys and girls, uh, soccer, basketball, lacrosse, and, you know, they took these measurements, uh, size and, and strength, uh, before the season, and over a two-and-a-half-year period measured their, their incremental strength and the concussions uh, that occurred, and it's really something that you'd expect to see that kids with, with weaker necks were the ones that were getting more of these concussions. So, you know, that's really, that was published in 2014. There's been a lot of research that's come out in the last few years that's really continued to kind of build this support around uh, having a stronger neck. You know, my own experience, so my concussion was not through sports. You know, I fell on the ice, but I still suffered some pretty major whiplash in my fall. And, you know, everything that you talk about with neck strength has just resonated with me, um, you know, from the perspective of, gosh, had I had a stronger neck, you know, I probably wouldn't have had a severe whiplash, you know. You know, in my case, I fell without any warning from standing position and landed on my head because I was on an inclined driveway. So I think inevitably I still would have smacked my head on the asphalt. But maybe, you know, maybe it wouldn't have been quite as dramatic. Maybe I would have been able to hold my head up a little higher. Um, but I think in the recovery side of it, too, I think had I had a stronger neck, my recovery, I still to this day struggle with my whiplash. I mean, it's come by leaps and bounds um, after I did start working 
on strengthening me my neck. My first doctor didn't have me doing anything. He didn't have me doing PT, nothing. Um, so when I finally did start working on my neck strength, I noticed, um, you know, my neck, the whiplash felt better, but then, like, my symptoms started clearing up. You know, I think there's something to be said, and, and I know you're not necessarily here to talk about the, the medical side of it, but there is something to be said about the cervical spine and your brainstem runs right through there. And, you know, when we finally got all those muscles to release, that's when I noticed a huge breakthrough in my cognitive recovery. So, you know, I, I think it's so wonderful that there's people like you who are bringing attention to neck strength because I think it's grossly overlooked in the medical community. Oh yeah, it's just whip, whiplash. You'll be fine. You know, um, so uh, I don't know if you have anything to add to what I just said, but, um, you know, I appreciate that you guys are doing this work. Yeah, you know, I was, I was looking back through some of your early articles and uh, just kind of thinking in the to- context of, of your fall, and it, it's not really something you can prepare for. I mean, that's something that you right. mentioned, but, um, <laughs> you know, but really outside of sports, the first time most people ever begin training their neck or doing any type of neck strengthening is after an injury. Uh, you right. know, at the concussion health summit this summer that we were yep. at, Brian Roberts was doing these talks on neck strengthening. And, you know, that's really what he said. He, he asked the room, you know, when is the first time people are doing this? And nobody really hit on it. He's like, it's, it's when they come in with an injury. And so, you know, one of the things I think you shared with me was you, you didn't realize how weak your neck was until, after mm-hmm. you had this fall and after these injuries. So, um, you know, we actually do, when we did this redesign, we ultimately got the weight of this device down from 12 pounds to a little over three. And so that really has opened up, um, you know, our opportunities in the rehab space as well. And so we actually have uh, some individuals who know they're going in for neck surgery, uh, you know, later or end of this year, and have started to train with the iron neck uh, leading up to that injury. So that, that's one of the key pieces that we've, we've heard is, well, it's, it's much easier to, to build up strength before a surgery uh, than it would be afterwards. So uh, we, we are definitely putting it into the rehab space and, and starting to get that, that type of feedback. But with your fall, you know, if you had had a stronger neck, could you have prevented the concussion? You know, probably not, but, your head would have likely hit the ice at a lower velocity. And so perhaps it would right. not have been so severe. Right. And, you know, I met um, when I started talking about this podcast, um, one of my other survivor friends um, chimed in that her doctor actually told her because she was in a car accident. And because she had such incredible neck strength before her injury, he felt that it, it helped her from having a more severe, you know, concussion. So, um, you know, I think there is some doctors who get it and that's, that's great. You know, that we're, um, we're bringing awareness to it. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. And I, I think one area that it's actually raised a lot more awareness more recently has been with, um, female neck strength and, Mm -hmm. you know, that being identified, you see higher concussion rates across the board with female sports, uh, you know, with their, the comparable uh, male sport. And one of the things that a lot of the uh, doctors are, are pointing to is, is that, you know, this difference in neck strength between 
boys and girls, um, you, you have longer, thinner neck in, in females. So you're going to have more of this whiplash effect. So that that's certainly one thing that's been, been pointed to, um, you know, as a cause there. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and let's talk about that a little bit. I know um, that you have done some work with female athletes and, you know, is, is there research on it as of yet on the, on the female neck strength versus male neck strength? Um, maybe just share with us some of what you know with that, because, you know, I hear a lot about how females take a longer time to recover than males. And, you know, like, is it because of the hormones? Is it because of, you know, the neck strength? You know, like, I think there's so many variables, but I think at least starting at one point and being able to kind of to hone in on that, you know, I think maybe that will help us, um, you know, instead of like being all over the board, because <laughs> I heard so many different things in my recovery. Um, I, I, I guess I lost what the question was in that, and I apologize. But, um, <laughs> you know, what, yeah, no, you what are your about, thoughts on uh, that? Female neck strength and what, what research there might be around that. Um, and mm-hmm. so, you know, we were kind of surprised when we, uh, you know, when we came into the company um, a little over two years ago and we were uh, started to kind of do a lot more of this research and digging into what's out there, we were surprised to see that this, this one study was all the way back in 2001. And uh, it, it looked at, at male isometric neck strength uh, compared to uh, women's isometric neck strength. And what that means for isometric neck strength, for, for those who don't know, is you know if you basically have this iron neck on and you step back and you go back to where there's resistance and it's pulling on your head without moving, that's an isometric resistance. So um, you know basically kind of the common example is if you have a, a barb Uh, a barbell in your hand and you just hold it out without curling your arm, that's an isometric resistance. So after a while, that's going to get hard to do. And so it looked at at male neck strength and and women's neck strength across all four different types of movements. So you have extension and flexion, which is, you know, putting your head back and putting your head forward, Uh, flexion, uh, lateral flexion, which is side to side, and then rotation. And it found that in all four of these categories, the, the men's neck strength was twice that of women's neck strength. Uh, so, you know, it, it was, it's, it's pretty significant. And the fact that that has been known since 2001 from this study, um, you know, it was kind of surprising to us. But the other thing that really stuck out was the, the level of rotational neck strength. And, you know, when you, when you look at the numbers for each of these categories, the rotational neck strength is, is by far uh, the weakest form of movement. And so when you kind of connect that, so, you know, how is that relevant to concussions and, and you know, long-term uh, brain damage? And, you know, what a lot of this research has started to point to over the last few years is these rotational forces actually being kind of the more threatening force uh, on the brain. And, you know, you mentioned kind of this twisting on the, the brainstem that's, that's really what's coming more from these rotational forces rather than just linear force. So, you know, not just a shot kind of to the front of your head and your head goes back, but when, when an impact comes from any angle, you have a lot of these twisting forces and those rotational forces are actually causing what's called axonal shearing, which is the, the tearing mm-hmm. and twisting of the axon. And what that does is it, it's releasing 
uh, the protein tau into the brain. And what you see in, in CTE or chronic traumatic encephalopathy is, uh, you know, the increased level of tau, uh, you know, in that pathology. So when you're, when that's really when, when Mike developed the iron neck, you know, he, he saw that, that 2014 study that looked at neck strengths and, and showed that, you know, a stronger neck can reduce concussion risk. And he also started seeing that, you know, this research on, uh, you know, rotational forces. And so, you know, I mentioned the MacGyver-like ingenuity, but, I mean, he, he really, <laughs> um, it, it's kind of funny. I mean, he, he really just went back and was, was messing around with his wife's Pilates dance and trying to get this, this you know, rotational uh, twisting movement uh, against the resistance and, uh, you know, made it a little fancier, but, but ultimately that's, that's, that's how we, we really see the Iron Neck having an opportunity to, to make an impact. Um, you know, on athletes and, and, you know, really just on, on individuals, even on the recovery side. You know, and you kind of, you jogged something in my brain a minute ago when you were talking about, you know, you don't have to actually even hit your head to have a concussion. And, you know, like for instance, a car accident where you're traveling at say 30 miles an hour and then you come to a dead stop when you hit another car, you might not actually hit your head on anything, but the neck and the head, you know, how it flexes back and forth. And so now your brain is, you know, all that separates your brain from the skull is a sack of fluid. And so your head is going to make impact with your skull, so to speak. Um, and, I, you know, I know that maybe even just 10 years ago, um, it was often overlooked. If you didn't actually hit your head, they didn't even, like, consider that you might have a concussion. Um, and, I, you know, I just to, – today I know that they take it a little more seriously. But, you know, that whole – the flexing of the neck and, you know, I've heard um, different people say, you know, if you have whiplash, you have a concussion or a brain injury. Um and so, you know, what, what do you have to add to that statement? Yeah, so, you know, I think one thing people might be wondering is kind of what's the connection? Like, you know, how is the neck actually, um, you know, going to possibly prevent a concussion? And, uh, you know, it, you have to kind of understand the, the biomechanics of, of the neck. And the neck is primarily these diagonal fibers. And so when you turn your head, you're actually contracting these, these muscles. And, you know, there are certain impacts that if someone's flying with a helmet at your temple, there, there's really not much that can, that can be done in those scenarios. That's where, you know, changes in the rules and potentially changes in, in the equipment can, can uh, you know, help with those scenarios. But, but really it's, uh, you know, being able to decelerate the head before you get to the end of that range of motion. And so, you know, you look at sports like women's soccer, uh, which is often, you know, in a lot of studies, the highest concussed uh, sport. Um, and so you're actually seeing uh, impacts where you fall to the ground, and it's not an impact. Your head just jerks back really quickly. And so the whole concept around the neck is that the neck is your built-in shock absorber. And whether it's an impact to your, your head or an impact to your body, those forces go through the neck and ultimately can dissipate those forces and slow it down before you get to the end of that range of motion and you have this snapping uh, that occurs, which, I mean, that occurs uh, commonly in whiplash. And, uh, you know, I mean, just talking about whiplash, 
whiplash injuries occur five times more often in women than men. So, you know, you see in kind of these other uh, scenarios where, uh, you know, females are, are more affected than this. And, you know, one of the things that uh, Uzma Samadani, who's a neurosurgeon uh, in Minneapolis, I, I know you've, you've spoken with her on a couple of accounts, you know, when she was talking about uh, neck issues with, with neurosurgeons, she mentioned that uh, female neurosurgeons retire or their average retirement age is 52 and for males is 62. And, you know, neck issues and, and chronic uh, neck pain is, is uh, noted as one of the more uh, common issues uh, that, that's a factor in there. So uh, you're, you're starting to see kind of outside of sports, but, uh, you know, sports is really where uh, you, you have so many high school athletes that, that go through this that you, you can get uh, kind of a good uh, example of, of um, you know, how head injuries and, and these forces can affect men versus females differently. Yeah, I, I find it so fascinating. And you had shared with me in a conversation that we had, the majority of female teams, athletic teams, they don't even work on strengthening their neck at all. Like that's not even part of their like training regimen. Um, and that's really kind of fascinating, isn't it? It's it's equal parts shocking and kind of scary. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's really – not being done or it's not being done effectively uh, on the female side. Uh, And I mean, even on the male side, outside of wrestling and and football, uh, you know, most men's teams aren't, aren't doing uh, much neck strengthening or neck training either. Um, And, you know, one example, uh, you know, I I met with a athletic, the head athletic trainer for a, one of the pro women's soccer teams uh, in the U S earlier this summer and, you know, kind of presented the iron neck to her and, and walked her through it. And then we had one of her um, goalies go through the, the workout, which takes about four or five minutes. And at the end, you know, asked her how she was. And she said, yeah, I, I feel like I'm going to be sore tomorrow. This you know, was a good workout on the neck. And I asked her if she'd ever done any neck training before. She said, no, you know, I've, I've had some back problems, but I've never done it before. And, you know, I asked nothing, even with just, you know, manual resistance with your hand or using a towel. He said, no. And I mean, that was just shocking that someone who is in their mid twenties playing professional soccer, if you're at that level, that means that you've probably been playing since you were five. And over this 20 year period, mm-hmm. not once have you done anything for your neck. Um, you know, it, I think it just highlights the you know, part of the, the problem that it's just not really on everyone's radar and it's something that can really have a significant impact, um, you know, for really this, this group of athletes that uh, plays at, at the same level of competition um, but is more susceptible to these forces. You know, and I, I, can, I can say from my experience, too, um, you know, the first two and a half years after my injury, nobody even addressed my neck. Um, the neurologist wanted to give me Botox injections in my neck and in the back of my head um, to help to relieve the pain, which I didn't want anything to do with that because I knew that was just a Band-Aid. It wasn't going to fix anything. Um, but, like, my chiropractor, nobody, nobody was doing anything to help with my neck pain. And, I mean, I was having constant 24-7 headaches. And then 
you know, I, I had been married to a chiropractor for 10 years. So, like, I understand how the neck and the referred pain, and that's why headaches happen. But it wasn't until working with Dr. Schmo that he really explained, like, how many muscles are in your neck and how many nerve bundles and, and you know, the referred pain, like, it can be coming from your shoulder blade and you feel it at the back of your eyeball, you know. Um, and so the neck really is a very complex unit. And when you think about the fact that your neck has to hold up a 10-pound bowling ball all day, <laughs> you know, like it's just it's fascinating how much we depend on our neck, but yet we kind of neglect it. Yeah, and, you know, you, you say the, the head is 10 pounds, but it's 10 pounds of force on the neck if you are in proper posture and alignment. Uh, when you're leaning over and whether you're looking at a computer screen or you're leaning over and looking down at your cell phone, uh, the force that that can actually put on the neck can be up to five times that. So, I mean, you could be talking about really the equivalent of holding, uh, you know, a 60 pound bowling ball, uh, you know, from your head. And, um, you know, the, the issues with, with chronic pain, actually, there was a, a 2015 Danish study in the journal of the international headache society that, uh, showed neck strength to help reduce tension headaches. So, you know, really the, the concept there is that, um, you know, by strengthening these neck muscles, you're increasing the st- stability of the skull, and it, it's been shown to, to kind of help mitigate some of these issues. Uh, and then, you know, the other factor there is actually instability in neck muscles. So, you know, if your left side is stronger than your right side, for example, that's mm-hmm. something that... Mm-hmm. Kind of, there's been some early research pointing to that as being a factor in in uh, you know neck pain and and, and uh, uh, headaches. And actually, there, there's some research out of uh, University of Otago in New Zealand uh, with um, a researcher named Daniel Salmon, who's done uh, research with rugby players. And some of her early research has pointed to actually this instability in neck muscles uh, potentially being a factor in higher concussion rates. So. You know, something that we're we're looking forward to kind of seeing more about uh, when it's ultimately published later um, next year. Yeah, you know, and I hear all the time in my Facebook group um, that people are being put on two different medications like Lyrica and um, oh, there's one that begins with the G, Gabatron or something, um, to try to help people with their headaches and their neck pain and. It just makes me so sad that that's the first avenue so many doctors take because, you know, like like even the Botox that they wanted to try with me, like, you know, it's just a Band-Aid. And, you know, like PT could help them so much more than taking a medicine. And so, you know, it's it's people like you, it's people like Dr. Uzma Samadani, you know, that are going to really help make some changes. I, you know, I, I really see that the next strength is going to be a big issue in the near future. Yeah. And I mean, you know, someone who's really, I think at the forefront of this is, is uh, our friend Bridget Wallace. Uh, you know, she's based here in Austin mm, as well. Yes. And, you know, one of the things that, that she really, you know, the kind of whole focus of, of hers is on this approach to concussion management that from, you know, the, the earliest prevention things that you can do to, you know, the things that you're doing towards the end of recovery and everything in between, you know, these are all factors that are part of, you know, not, you know, mitigating this injury and then ultimately treating it most effectively. 
And whether that's getting people back on the field or getting people back in the classroom or, you know, in your case, getting people really back on, on, on track, uh, you know, in life after an injury, uh, yeah. there's all these different pieces and you can ultimately kind of as weak as your weakest link. And so her approach is, you know, let's look at each individual through this lens and this track and, you know, where do we have to put the most focus on? And so, you know, neck training is just, it's one piece of it. And, Mm-hmm. Uh, that exists on the prevention side, but also on the, on the, the rehab side. And, um, you know, so it is something that she started to kind of prescribe, uh, you know, her patients that have had concussions. And, you know, some of these are big, you know, NFL players, guys that are, you know, you'd think are, are really strong, but ultimately kind of have these, some of these weaknesses in their neck um, that, you know, if you can start to strengthen the neck in those ways, uh, you can potentially mitigate, uh, you know, the severity of the outcome. Well, Robert, we are down to like our last minute here. So I guess that's great information and we could talk forever about this. Um, thank you so much for being here. I, I really appreciate having you on the podcast today. No, I, I appreciate it. And, um, you know, we, uh, we, we have a lot of information on our website, uh, iron-neck.com. And, uh, you know, we've, we've got, you know, all the research that I've talked about, um, you know, I'm not making it up today. I, you know, we've, we've, uh, you know, put this mm-hmm. together, we've organized it into a, yeah. uh, a very clean neck training overview. So, um, you know, you can look through that, download that on our website. We have videos on there. Uh, and then our, our social media across Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, we're at the iron neck. And, uh, you know, our Instagram and Facebook is a really good place to kind of see what this thing looks like, see it in action. Uh, you know, it, it looks awesome. like a torture device, but I, I assure you, it, uh, it you know, <laughs> it, it is uh, a very, the most controlled way that you can ultimately uh, work with the neck. Awesome. So, well, thank um, you yeah. so much, Robert. Thanks for being here. It's going to cut us off in just a second. So thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and thank you again to our sponsor, Minnesota Functional Neurology. Have a great day, everyone, and I'll see you next time.